baller's life, plain and simple. You know, ask any baller. If, if you know, you know. The game has changed, but it's still the same. You want it, go get it. Shazam! The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line, the shot on Elo. The Bulls win! They win it! Mike, you're honestly telling me that you're top five. Yeah. Top five of all time. No question about it. Booker, this is for the win. Got it. Wow. The ruling on the floor is made basket. You know, one thing's for sure. Over at Valley Sports Plug, you're never going to catch us slipping. First overall pick, the Phoenix Suns select. Welcome to Pass the Outlet. I'm your co-host, Michael Benjamin, joined as always by my wingman, Chris Patrick. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. And you know why? Because ball season has arrived. Phoenix Suns training camp started this week. The NBA is right around the corner. Officially, our first game is starting on October 19th against the Dallas Mavericks. And we already have some news coming out of training camp, which is not to the surprise of anybody uh, that knows this team and what they've gone through the past couple of months. So, But Chris, how you feeling, man? How you doing tonight? I'm doing good tonight, man. I'm sorry we're running a little bit late, folks. That's on me. Um, I was out with uh, my work colleagues on a little team building activity, um, ran a little late, but uh, Mike was patient enough and we were able to get this for you. Um, we have so many great guests in the works that we're going to be uh, interviewing, you know, talking to a lot of people we want to bring on and, you know, get their perspective, show you guys what we're all about. Um, and that's coming down the line. But tonight, like Mike said, sun's camp kicking off, man. Like there's so much drama going on. We got DeAndre Ayton, um, chip on his shoulder, the whole contract stuff. Jay Crowder's demanding a trade. He's not even at camp. We got new jerseys. There's a whole lot going on. I mean, how are you feeling about it, man? I'm feeling good. And yeah, I'm definitely excited to get some of our friends in here. That'll be coming shortly, probably within the next couple of weeks. Uh, some of our friends from the Valley of the Sun YMCA, also a couple of my pals who still work for the Suns and our court attendants. I guess I can't call them ball boys anymore. I was corrected on that already. Oh, but, there you go. Uh, if you're joining us tonight, we appreciate you. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at AZ underscore BSP. You can find us on Facebook at Valley Sports Plug. And please make sure to like and subscribe to the YouTube page where you are watching right now. But Chris... Training camp started this week. The first team uh, activity meeting, I guess you could state, was on Monday around 5 p.m. And court work actually started on Tuesday. First practices at 10 a.m. with media availability on uh, Tuesday right after around 1230. We already have some news. I want to start off right away with DeAndre Ayton and his first comments to the press after that first practice. Obviously, if you're a Suns fan and have been following with what's been going on, this whole offseason was a bit of a mess in regards to DeAndre Ayton and his max contract in regards to 
did we really want him? Did we really want to pay him long term? And it basically ended up going to uh, restricted free agency where he was able to get a max contract from the Indiana Pacers. And of course, the Suns were going to match that. They can't let the number one overall pick walk for nothing. But D.A. made it pretty clear about his thoughts and his overall process to everything that happened and where he's at in his headspace, I guess, at this point. And one of the first comments that he basically came out and stated was when he was asked if him and Monty Williams have had any discourse or any talks since Game 7 and the possible blow-up that was shown um, on the court uh, you know, before the end of that game, he basically came out and stated that he hasn't spoken to Coach Monty Williams at all and just kind of an odd situation at this point, you know. We've already gone through everything with Kevin Durant demanding a trade, basically telling the Nets front office that it was either the G, it was either him or the GM and the head coach. And Steve Nash has come out and basically said him and Kevin Durant have already talk, talked, talked, uh, had their words out, and are ready to move forward. But our number one overall pick and coach are not on that same page. So, what are your thoughts, Chris? How are you feeling about that situation on the first week of camp with? The season basically right around the corner. Yeah, there's a lot to dissect there, man. Like you really laid it all out. This whole drama with DeAndre Ayton that's gone on throughout the summer and now rolling into the season, like you said, Indiana offering him that contract, us matching it. He he came out right away on Twitter and said, you know, the Phoenix is where I, you know, went to college. It's where I was drafted. It's where my son was born. So I'm happy to resign and stay in Phoenix. He's playing the company, man. He's saying what he's got to say. But you gotta you gotta know he's got a chip on his shoulder, man. Like it seemed like he didn't really want to be here anymore. He wanted to be the center of attention somewhere and obviously agreed to that offer with Indiana, seeing that he could be their centerpiece, their focal point. I think it's interesting the dynamic that's at play here because you have this whole concept of the sons are running it back. You know, we're bringing the boys back together, but it's really not that. Um, Jay, Jay Crowder, like we alluded to, he's demanding a trade. They said they're going to work with him. They're going to try and help him uh, tender his way out of here. Who knows what we can get in return for him. And that just makes you wonder how they done something sooner. Could we have had more of a return for Jay Crowder? But we can talk about that a little later on, but in, in regards to Deandre Ayton specifically, I'm very, I am very concerned because there's all this stuff that's been swirling around the rumors with him being involved in that Kevin Durant trade, a sign in trade a three, four team trade. What's going to happen with that? Are they going to hold on to him and trade him at the trade deadline? It's just, there's been so much that's transpired in the past, even just the past couple of days, couple of weeks. Uh, I think, I don't know if you saw this, I'm pretty sure Kevin Durant's kind of mended his relationship with the Nets. I think you were kind of saying there, uh, he's saying he's fully committed. He's ready to be a net and, and move forward with that team. So that might squash any rumors of him coming here in the, in the trade deadline during the season. That could be all fluff just to keep, you know, camaraderie and everything going into the season. But like I said, trying to stay on topic, trying to stay in, in the lane of DeAndre Ayton here. You've heard these stories of he hasn't talked to Monty Williams since that last game in the playoffs when they lost. And you hear players like Devin Booker saying, I have had a dialogue with Monty Williams. And there's been this ongoing talk of 
Monty Williams wants these guys to decompress, disconnect, and have their time off the court to not focus on basketball because they're all going to be on top of each other for many months during the season as things progress, and and they're going to spend a lot of time together. So I can understand the logic of get your alone time, get your time with your family and your loved ones, and go do some fun stuff away from the game. But there are, of course, you know, like we've said, ball is life. These serious ballers, it's a 24-7, 365 thing. They're doing the Drew League. They're doing these off-the-court stuff. They're never not playing basketball, if we're being perfectly honest. But, oh, man, it's just – it's it's weird. Um, the, di- the dynamic of your head coach having once had such a strong relationship with DeAndre Ayton at your star center – where you're seeing clips on ESPN and on a national platform of Monty Williams is such a motivator. He's meeting, meeting these guys at eye level and having these heart to hearts with DeAndre Ayton. And then a couple months later now they haven't talked at all. Uh, to me, that's concerning. I, I don't know. Are, are you, do you think that's a concern? I'm still in the camp where I'm a little bit unsure uh, because I did like the comments that Devin Booker came out and basically said that, you know, it's good to decompress. You need to get away for a little bit. They're on top of each other for eight, nine months out of the year, most of the time longer than they're seeing any of their family members. So just to get away from everybody, really enjoy their time off and basically factory reset your emotions in your body and come back to training camp ready to go and ready to roll. It is odd, though, that I'd love to know if there was any kind of an actual try by Monty Williams. I don't think I would put it on DeAndre Ayton at this point in regards to him having to be the one who was supposed to be the guy, the true leader to reach out to the coach. You know, Monty Williams is an older gentleman. He's been around the block. That's his responsibility. DeAndre Ayton still has some growing pains to go through and figure out things for himself. That's also why the comment I was a little bit concerned about, whereas if I know DA's always been kind of an honest guy and will be upfront about his feelings and emotions, but the last, you know, taste in our mouths as fans or people around this organization was game seven, which was one of the worst performances in game seven history in the, in the history of the NBA. And the first thing that we're talking about is how you and the coach have not had any kind of conversations. I don't even know if I would have answered that. You know, I maybe would have been like, we still have things to work on and, and discuss, and that will come during, you know, a later time. But right now I'm focused on getting back in front of my teammates, bringing in these new guys into the fold and moving forward and, and figuring out how to start this season off on the right foot. But that's the difference between a guy who is 32 years old and has seen some stuff. Obviously I'm not a professional athlete. I, it's way different. I don't have all the cameras surrounding me, but DA still has some learning to do. I just don't think I would have brought that to light because then you get everybody else involved. Now I, now I have reporters asking Devin Booker about the situation. You know, I don't give it, I don't give a shit about Devin Booker having to worry about that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I got more pressing issues when it comes to Devin Booker, instead of worrying about if his, you know, his third option has talked to the coach yet. So 
I am a little bit concerned because it still seems – and one of the other comments that he basically uh, came out and said when he was asked if he was happy to be here, he basically just shrugged it off and was like, yeah, I'm, re- I'm ready. So Dang. I don't know. That could also be the difference between him and Kevin Durant. You know, if Durant really hasn't fleshed out the wounds that happened in Brooklyn, at least he knows how to mask it and be the the per, uh, the right type of professional and just get to the games. Mm-hmm. And then if things break down after that, you figure it out then. But now we have to be worrying about this going into a season that starts in 20 days. You know, I don't like it at all. But we got other focus points either than just if DA and Monty Williams are going to talk yet. You know, we're going to talk about that with Dre, Jay Crowder here coming up soon. Hundred percent, and and just to piggyback off of that, I mean, you're hundred percent right. To have all of this drama swirling going into the season, it makes you it makes you a little bit um, pessimistic. I want to say it makes me a little pessimistic. Anyway, I mean, like you you make a great point there. Why why bring it up? Why not keep that in house? Uh, it's not. It doesn't feel like it's running it back now at this point. When um, I saw, I think it was on Facebook or one of the social media sites, the Suns um, official account put out a picture of uh, like the first day of school or whatever you call it. And it had all the guys on the roster, all the guys that are at training camp. And I didn't recognize a lot of those faces. And I know I've, I've seen the trades come in and go, who's the kid we got from Golden State? Uh, uh, Damian Lee. Damian Lee, yeah. So people are people are kind of high on him. I saw Golden State fans kind of being good, saying good riddance that he's he's gone, but that could be just some bitterness. That's that's Twitter, that's Reddit stuff, which we'll get to Reddit reacts later. We got we got some reactions there. You'll you'll love about that. It, there's all they're always so dramatic on Reddit. I don't know if, if you guys have been on that website or not, but <laughs> uh, it's 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 a different world. If if you, I won't even go into it, but. Staying staying on topic, it, it is disconcerting the the start of this season with all this drama swirling. Like we said on the Heat Check podcast about the Cardinals, you want them to get through the preseason and just start playing the game so that you can forget about all these other stories going on and just stick to what's happening on the court or on the field in regards to the Cardinals. But specifically to the Suns. It just seems odd, right? Like we had such a great team, the best record in the league, the the darling of the league. We kept we were the the boys, the dogs. We had all this great fun and made it to the finals and then made it back to the playoffs and everything just unraveled so fast. It it just it leaves it I think it feel it leaves the fans holding the bag a little bit, feeling like we were sold as if this would become a potential dynasty and now I don't know. I'm feeling like it's fallen apart a little bit and and it as it's just only only just begun. <sighs> only time will tell unfortunately, right? I I, I want to speak to some of those new guys that you're talking about with those photos uh about the first days of school. You know, we did add some other pieces. Frank Jackson, <laughs> point guard, uh 24 years old out of Duke from the Detroit Pistons. Uh, we also added Timothy Lawal, I think it's Lawawa Cabaret, hmm. uh, <laughs> 27 years old. Uh, I believe he last played for the Atlanta Hawks. 
And then obviously we have those other guys that signed in, in the offseason, Jock Landell, Josh Okoge, Damian Lee, and the guy we swooped from the Indiana Pacers who they had basically waived to make uh, space for the possible DeAndre Ayton signing, Dwayne Washington Jr. So there are some pretty decent fresh faces on this uh, roster. And it's still – even with that being said, it it still kind of feels like it's a run it back year. Would you say any different than that, Chris? I mean, as, I would. As far honestly, as main pieces, I mean, main pieces. You still have your big three, right? You got DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and that's and Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson. You can go down the line. So you, there's still a lot of the same guys there. So in that regard, yeah, it, it is running it back. Yeah, we're not going to have Jay Crowder. Um, Dario Saric is coming back in the mix. He was he's been on the roster, but he we didn't really see him a lot last last season, right? And there's a lot of people that think Dario Saric could be the missing piece to the puzzle. So you drop a Jay Crowder, you add a Dario Saric to get some more of those minutes, and then whoever else we get in return for Jay Crowder. Now, whenever a player demands a trade, I feel like it diminishes their trade value because it puts the Suns in a tough spot, right? Like the other teams have this leverage knowing Jay Crowder wants out, knowing he's not in camp and doesn't want to be there anymore. So that instead of, um, you know, a, a first round pick, we're offering you a sec second round pick instead of Austin Rivers, where we're offering you a guy that never sees the court. Um, sorry, I, I'm not clever enough to think of a name off the top of my head, but it's that type of shit, you know? I'm just I don't want to get hung up on what what we could or couldn't get for Jay Crowder, whether he is or is not there, because as much as I appreciate what Jay Crowder did for this Suns team over the past two years. He kind of choked in the playoffs. His defense was good, but he didn't give us too much on the offensive end he bricked a lot of threes and i think was a little quick with the trigger at times when he didn't need to be so when when you ask me if i think it's running it back it, it is it is when you look at the core it's like six six out of the seven guys are coming back so uh it is running it back but at, at, to how how what extent with deandre ayton having a chip on his shoulder with chris paul aging coming off an injury I think a lot of focus has got to be on Devin Booker to maybe be in that MVP, uh, you know, conversation. Do, could you see Devin Booker being an MVP candidate this season? I think he has to be if this team really wants to make a decent push in this Western Conference. You know, a lot of teams have reloaded or expanded. One of the teams, the Los Angeles Clippers, they should have Kawhi back this year. And they also got John Wall. What will we get out of John Wall? I'm not sure. But the Warriors are back. You know, the Denver yeah. Nuggets are going to get Jamal Murray back at some point. You know, the Memphis Grizzlies have an up and coming superstar in John ja Morant. And other units are just reloading and taking the next step. So I think that's what this, this Phoenix Suns roster is thought to be doing this year with the signings and with the, you know, potential non movements. Uh, that they made before this season without gutting your roster for a Kevin Durant, which it was always going to be tough to make it work with the contracts anyways. But mm -hmm. you're, ho you're hoping that DeAndre Ayton takes that next step to become probably a perennial all-star for years to come. Devin Booker continues to 
expand in all facets of the game, not only uh, distributing the basketball, but becoming a better defender and, you know, probably pushing towards 30 point average at this point mm-hmm. because Chris Paul, he cannot stay healthy. We cannot have him be a number two option anymore. So he just has to basically fit within his role and make sure he's leading all of his teammates to the well to drink. You know, Mikhail Bridges is going to take a, a bigger step. And the guy that we have on for outlet point guard today, Cam Johnson, you know, he's going to have to really figure it out this year and take a very large step, um, almost comparative towards any of those other guys because they're proven commodities. Mikhail is a great defender. DeAndre Ayton is basically kind of like a walking double-double. But now with Cam Johnson being thrusted into the starting four at the power forward position, it's going to be his time to transition some of his game and take larger steps there. So, Chris, if you're ready, I, I'm i ready to roll into the outlet point guard. Let's do it. Yeah, you said Cam Johnson up this week? We got Cam J this week. Obviously, with the, the news about Jay Crowder and the Phoenix Suns basically coming to a, a mutual agreement at this point that he will not be back with the team, they've announced that Cam Johnson is going to be the starting power forward for this team. And I'm excited because he's basically a 40% uh, three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. And he's got some really, really good items in his bag. And we'll, we'll see him right now. So let me make sure to pull this up here for a second. Obviously, the first thing you know with Cam Johnson is he's a great three-point shooter. He can shoot from the corners. He can shoot from the top of the wings. And he can shoot with people in his face, whether it be guards or guys who are the same height as him. He does not hesitate. He lets it go. And he's good at finding his spacing as well. You know what I'm saying? So that's a nice uh, and one against uh, the Charlotte Hornets and a a foul from Terry Rozier. For Terry, you got to let that one go, man. Contest, but put your hand back if you feel like you're going to hit somebody there. Mm -hmm. One of his his underrated qualities uh, is his ability to really push the basketball up the floor and use some pretty good speed for his length. Uh, This clip here is against the Clippers, basically kind of going coast to coast, understanding he has length to finish at the rim uh, up against anybody. And that's one of the other items that we're seeing at training camp is that he's come in and it seems like he's come in a bit stronger this year, which Mm -hmm. he's going to have to need, especially if he's going to be playing that power forward position. And one of the other items that I want to see start to – get a little bit more uh, out and about on the basketball court from Cam Johnson is his aggressiveness and his willingness to put the ball on the floor and attack the rim. This player right here, this is an obvious one. It's actually up against his new teammate, Jock Lindell, which is this guy right out here on the top. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, that swing pass right there from Chris Paul up to the top seems like a general enough wide open shot to Cam Johnson any day of the week but he understands that he has the big coming out on him so if he can just kind of get him off balance a little bit and get him in the air he might be able to attack and explode which he does right here gives him just a little bit of a fake Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of great things to cam johnson the one thing and 
I think the, the, the greatest asset to him is that he's still a young player, but he has gone through a lot already within his career, going back to his college days as a, uh, a five-year college athlete uh, finishing at North Carolina. And so he's, he's almost kind of like an older soul, you know, even though he doesn't have as much playing experience as you would say Devin Booker, he, he knows what he needs to do now. So that's why I'm really excited to get him uh, into this starting lineup and see what he can do on both ends of the floor. Yeah, it, it, like you said, exactly highlighting that. His experience he had being a, an older player in college, he brings that here. And we were at the game where we, it's, I know it's not fair because it's not in, the, in these set of clips, but the game, the three point game winner he hit against, ah, fuck, Mike, jog my memory. The Who Nick, was that? The Knicks. The Knicks. In the, right. It is, it is in the intro. I'll say it that. is in the intro. It is in the intro that we were at that game and got to witness that live. Maybe one of the best games I got to see live, but it just highlights cam johnson's ability to be clutch and i think that was his career high in points but not not to get too far off topic his his extension his length and high and ex going back to what i was saying is he people i think underestimate his um his skill and his experience uh, discounting the fact that he did stay in college a little bit longer and he has that experience but not only that is he has the patience as we saw in that last play against the Spurs where he he draws the defender by doing that slow hesitation and reading the lane correctly and not not having any fear to go up against the defender contesting that layup at the basket. I think it, it's it's what we need. It wasn't a layup. Shit, he he slammed it. Flushed. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, even better. I, I need to see more of that. I, and and that's what I look forward to, especially now talking about Jay Crowder being gone and having Cam Johnson come in. He could be in the starting lineup. He could be getting significant minutes. And we need to lean on him to have those games where we, we won't blink an eye when he puts up 20 at night. And it'll just be an, almost an expectation because we're seeing he's knocking down the threes. He's finishing at the rim. He's trusted by Chris Paul to swing it to him on the left side of the, of the top of the key. I, I'm just saying... It could be that Cam Johnson really takes a step forward and maybe is in the all-star conversation at the forward position. That, that stroke is just so sweet. He he sets up perfect, not even unconscious, unconscious. And and we've talked about that a lot, Mike, when we when we're playing basketball, just not even thinking and just knowing yourself, trusting yourself and taking that shot. He he pulled up and even with the close the close closeout, I don't even think he saw the defender. The one thing that he's really great at too is understanding spacing as far as where to be as a shooter. You can see on this shot, obviously he's you know down towards the opposite end of where the action is going on uh, uh, between this high screen roll with Chris Paul and I think that was Jalen Smith. But he understood to come up just a little bit in order to give Chris Paul a better uh, passing lane so he didn't have to cross-court it where Terry Rogier might be able to kind of get a hand in there. You know, those small things make all the difference to understand that you don't have to come sprinting up, but if you just start leaning forward towards the opening a little bit better, you're giving your teammates better opportunities to get you the ball. I was watching back some of those highlights from that Knicks game last year, and especially down the stretch in that fourth quarter, 
he was the main reason why we were able to get in the back in that game was because of all those threes. And it was all about his spacing, reading the defense, seeing where they collapsed, and him basically finding those openings. So he's already such a great pro at that. Um, you know, to have him on the floor to be the four, you're going to be able to space the floor even better too um, mm. than traditional power forwards and centers in this league. You'll give some more space for DeAndre Ayton to work down low, and you'll have another guy who can be swung the basketball on the outside at any point in time and be an absolute threat to score from outside. So that that's obviously the best part of his game. He's an incredible three-point well, shooter. Yeah, and that play right there, specifically, just to highlight it even more, he's catching it off the pass and looking at the basket the whole time. Look, he's looking, he's looking at Chris Paul right there, and then the second – the pass is on its way, and he's already looking at the hoop goes right into jumping, taking one step to his right, sets his feet, has his hips squared to the basket, pulls up perfect really like that is the type of shit that that you just can't can't ask for anything more to be that confident in your shot and that consistent. It's muscle memory and he is primed for that. It's it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other great things about his game too is his speed for his length um you know within this clip he pushes the ball basically coast to coast and finishes uh you know right at the basket he has shown some good um prowess on the defensive end for having active hands and getting balls knocked away and basically starting the fast break between him and mikhail bridges i we saw a lot of lobs on the break last year but his ability to dribble the basketball is going to come into play as he plays a stretch four this mm -hmm. year because not only is he going to be running action off of screens to get himself open at the top of the key or you know on the outside between the three-point lines excuse me there's going to be times where they count on him to create for himself because he's going to have mismatches playing the four and playing up against some, you know, larger, slower guys. There's going to be times where he might have to get a little bit farther into his bag, go two, three dribbles, you know, and create space for, you know, those pull up jumpers or those step backs, which he hasn't really had to use a lot in his career this thus far, because he's basically been that set up three point shooter in his fit his role so it's all about expanding what he can do this year but the one big thing for me is just understanding that he is a large guy and he's going to have to set a dominant presence if he's going to be battling down low with bigger guys for those rebounds i know that uh, he was talking with the press today and he was joking about how his mom said that he needs to have at least 10 rebounds a game. And uh, he said that mama was greedy, but you know, I'd love it. If you could get between six to nine rebounds a game from your starting power forward, I think you're in a good position, especially yeah. when we ho are hoping that we get 12 to 15 rebounds from Deandre eight in a game, which should be mm -hmm. pretty easy, but yeah. You know, plays like this, asserting your dominance, going off the dribble and finishing at the basket up against anybody. 
it sets yourself apart from others and it it lets them know that hey you're here to play you're here to play we're not pussyfooting around today you know what i mean yeah 100 cam johnson means business and, and go back if you can go back to that play against the clippers where he's running it basically coast to coast but with with cam johnson i think I'm wondering, like I say, he has that potential to get 20 plus points a game, 10 plus rebounds a game. But we already said the big three in Phoenix is DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker. I, I'm going to talk more about that, but I just wanted to highlight with this play in particular, the just the intricate, the the detail and how smart he is. He crosses over from his right to his left there, which makes the defender have to stay neutral going over the half court mark to, to where if... If he hadn't, and if he had committed to Cam Johnson's right, Cam probably could have cut it left in the middle and split those defenders and made it. But since he commit, Cam wanted to go right the whole time, and he was smart enough to do that crossover. And those are just the minor details. And in split seconds, I think that was all of two seconds maybe that that happened. But just a simple play. In almost two, three, four strides and a couple dribbles, he made it from – look. What, let's, let's see here. One. Hold, Hold up. There we go. Here we go. Here we go. One, two, three, four, four dribbles. So he dribbled it four times, took maybe five steps coast to coast. And in that time, in that time, those four dribbles was left to right, right to left, left to right, right. And then into the basket. Incredible. He knew he wanted to go right the whole time, but to be able to commit to that, he had to make the defender be on his heels a little bit. And just at the right time, came back to that side had the positioning and took it up. But that's the type of shit you see from a veteran player, not a, a young player, a young player like Cam Johnson. So more to my point that I was making outside of this clip is that he is he could be the fourth or fifth man on the roster when it comes to being relied upon to score. Of course, I think the hierarchy at this point should be Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and, and then Chris Paul. In the past two seasons, we've leaned a lot heavier on Chris Paul to carry that scoring burden, but I just don't know. Like you said, he's, I think, what, 38 years old now? 38. 38. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't want him to have to take those beatings during the regular season. I would rather he take it easy, rely on these other guys to score, so when he does have to come up clutch in the playoffs in the late season, he's ready when it comes to uh, May, June, July basketball we can rely on a Chris Paul to be healthy and finish the season out. This is a guy who's been cursed. It's followed him that he's never able to finish a season healthy and be available to make a championship run. The closest he got was with this Suns team two years ago with Milwaukee. We were up 2-0 on them and we fucked that opportunity. Excuse the language, but there's no better there's no better way to put it. I can't mince words here. We we wasted an opportunity to bring this 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 organization is first championship. So Cam Johnson as our fourth best player, I think that's outstanding. I think that's, he could, he, he would be a starter on almost any other team in the league. And I look for him to make a big step forward this year and really be an intricate part of this Suns team. Yeah. If you can even put Chris Paul back to the fifth option, man, I'm all for it. All he has to do is fit his role. I don't have to be relying on him to score 25 points in game four for us to even have a chance to win. You know, all those other guys, it's their time to step up this year for sure. So Cam Johnson sounds like he's going to be our starting power forward. And why is that? Because 
the drama queen Jay Crowder is not happy that we're ready to move in the direction of Cam Johnson. Uh, he's already basically said, if I'm not going to be the one starting and ending on the floor and my minutes are going to be cut, I don't want to be here. So him and the Suns have come to agreement that he will not be at training camp. And that was one of the first things that I saw when I saw that first day of school photo. I was like, wait, hold on a second. Where's Jay Crowder? I thought he's still on roster. Come to remember is that uh, his time with us is basically done for. So Chris on Reddit reacts. I got uh, a couple of these photos pulled up here for you. So I'll go ahead and pass it over to you. Yeah. So I sent, I sent Mike some of these. I was on Reddit today on the Suns subreddit and the NBA subreddit and uh, some mixed feelings. Uh, if you, if you take the post versus the comments, it's definitely a mixed bag, but I'll, I'll start with this one on the right where uh, the user you slash Mr. Dash E94 posted this meme of the clown progression, if you will. Um, and it's four boxes for anyone just listening back on the audio. The top box is the guy just getting the white face paint ready. And it says, I'm glad we didn't get KD. You don't break up a roster of a 64 win team. And then <laughs> goes down and he's getting some lipstick and some, uh, some colorful eyeshadow. And it says, Boyan Bogdanovich isn't worth a first-round pick. We'll be okay. Um, he's, a, he's a guard, right? He's a, a two or three. Hmm. Yeah, so would have been a pretty nice addition. Anyway, so now the clown in the third box is putting on his wig. His makeup is pretty much nice and uh, nice and well done. Um, and it says, Jay Crowder is overrated anyways. His defense isn't even good anymore. I don't know about, I think his defense is fine. I wouldn't say Jay Crowder's overrated, but we'll get to some of that in a second. Anyway, uh, without adding my two cents, the last box here, the fourth box, the clown has his nose on, all his makeup, his colorful rainbow wig. And it says DeAndre Ayton isn't upset about being here. He's just locked in. So <laughs> I think they're trying to, like like the like user Mr. E94 said, smile through the pain. There's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of shit that's been going on here in the offseason. A couple highlighted here, the, the ups and downs, the roller coaster of potentially getting a Kevin Durant. Boyan Bogdanovich would be a good role player if we had maybe come to realize Jay Crowder didn't want to be here sooner. Uh, maybe coming up with some of these other deals. I guess just real quick to tie it into this post on the left, a Bulls fan, Skullcandy541, snuck into the Suns Reddit and said, Bulls fan here proposing a trade. Take your pick with Green or uh, DJJ, but uh, Derek Jones Jr., he was a former son, can't be traded yet. Otherwise, what do you think? I can see y'all can use some scoring off the bench. Uh, Kobe White, as you know, went to school with Cam Johnson and on draft day when he found out that Cam. Uh oh, so I think, I think you, oh. you, you cut out just a second there. Oh, I was on a roll talking about Kobe I White know. and Cam Johnson's it, bromance. So, so they went to UNC together, right? Yep. Yep, they went to UNC together, and on draft night, when Kobe White found out that Cam Johnson was going to be a son, he said, what? Bro, that's so love. And so I would love <laughs> to see those two reunite. I, I mean, I think I like Kobe White. I'm a fan. I don't know much about Javante Green. I do like uh, Derek Jones Jr., airplane mode. 
but uh, Suns fans are are feeling it. Suns fans are feeling it. Mike, Mike, do you kind of feel like a clown uh, with all this offseason nonsense? It's just the way that it's taken over every aspect of this uh, offseason. Yeah, I do feel a little bit like a clown. And it seemed like we weren't ever in front of any of the moves, you know? It was always just something that, oh, okay, it just happened. Like, it never was our decision, you know what I mean? Like, DeAndre Eaton, oh, he had to come back because you can't lose an asset who you drafted as the number one pick for nothing, you know? Oh, well, you can't really make a play for Kevin Durant because there's just way too many moving pieces. Oh, well, now Jake Crowder is the one who wants out. You know, like it was never the Suns in charge of anything. Right. Uh, I, I'm really going to be interested to see what comes out of this trade because we know this is an absolute reality. Jake Crowder will not be part of this organization probably within a week or so. Um, mm-hmm. And the Bulls trade is enticing. I, you know, I'm still okay with bringing in some another point guard to back up to give us another option to see if you know if campaign ever ends up dipping back a little bit you know we'll have another guy who can come in i am worried with kobe white a little bit because he seems to be a score first guard which is kind of what our problems were with campaign down the stretch in the playoffs you know he couldn't score um consistently at least and then it affected the rest of his game. So if I'm only getting offense from Kobe White, uh, I, I don't want it. I, I need more, you know. But I did see some other interesting trade rumors today, uh, a couple of them from Espo on Twitter. Uh, I did see this one for the Suns would receive Kevin Love, and we would ship out four players. It would be Jay Crowder, Tory Craig, Landry Shamit and Ish Wainwright. And that's basically to make the cap hits work because Kevin Love is owed $28.9 million this year. And, you know, Landry Shamit getting 9.5, Tory Craig 5.1, Ish Wainwright's only 1.8. But uh, I, Kevin Love is an aging guy. I, I, I don't know how he would really fit in with this team, especially since we still have some pretty good youth and we want to push the ball. It'll be good to, you know, he can space the floor. He's a good shooter, but, you yeah. know, uh, I, to give up four players for Kevin Love? No, hell no, I ain't doing that. Another interesting one was uh, a, a trade with the Pacers, which the Sun, or the Suns would give up Jay Crowder, Landry Shamit, and a 2023 first rounder for Buddy Heald. What do you think about that one? Oh, buddy buckets. I loved him coming out of what was it? Oklahoma, Oklahoma, OU. Yeah, yeah. I think that's He's right. A killer, yeah. man. Yeah, yep. man. Buddy buckets was exciting in the tournament in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I liked I liked him with Sacramento didn't didn't quite, uh, you know, have quite the impact in the league as I, I thought he would. But Decent role player still. He can knock down the three. He's a good shooter. He's pretty big for his position. Some of those guys that you're mentioning there, like Ish Wainwright, uh, Landry Shamit, I wouldn't be upset to see them go. Uh, that'd be fine with me. Landry Shamit, he had moments where he was scoring. He was making an impact, but I could, I could, I could part ways with with a Landry Shamit. 
what going just t- talking real quick on Kevin Love, I think that's enticing. I I would have thought that would have been a better move to make last season if you wanted a guy like that because he's like in the same boat as Chris Paul. He's not getting any younger. He's seen his heyday. He's had his time in the league. He's dealt with his injuries in the league. And so to bring on another guy like that, where when you're talking about an 82 game season plus a playoff run, is he going to be able to be durable enough to to stand up with that? And to to roll the dice and have two guys like that on your roster, that could get a little bit dicey for me. So I'm with you, Mike. I don't know about making a move for Kevin Love, but a buddy healed does kind of tickle my fancy a little bit if you're not giving up too much. And he's willing to play a a role player position coming off the bench, understanding he's not going to start. Because on a lesser team, I I think Buddy Heal might still be a, a starting caliber player, but but with the Suns, they they have enough guys to to run the the one through five. I think I don't think you would need a Buddy Heal to start. Yeah, I do like what you said about Kevin Love. Yeah, that would have been a good piece to bring in at the trade deadline last year, or basically right towards the end to bolster your roster for the playoff run, you know, instead of a Tory Craig, obviously we yes. didn't know what was going to happen with Tory Craig, but I, I trust, I I'm, I trust Kevin loves reliability a little bit more than Tory Craig at this point, especially his outside shooting, which is what we had asked Tory Craig to do. And he just couldn't do it in the playoffs. But the last one I got for you, Chris, it's another trade with the Cavaliers. I don't know. It looks like the, whatever they were doing for their trade machine they just wanted to trade with the Cavs and get (laughs) and get Jay Crowder back to uh, Cleveland but this one is sending Jay Crowder and Landry Shamit to Cleveland for Karis LeVert how do you feel about that one Ooh, Karis LeVert he was a prospect for the Nets originally is he he's not what, what team did you say he's on now He's with the Cavaliers now. With the Cavaliers now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Karis LeVert was a guy who had a lot of noise around him coming into the league. A lot of potential. Uh, a young stud, if you will. But I don't I don't know if I'm sold on Karis LeVert. I think, obviously, like we were alluding to, it, you put, you're put in a tough position when a player demands a trade and is sitting out of training camp might lower their value, force you to take a little bit less. Because you said Jay Crowder was a part of that deal, right? Yeah, it was Jay Crowder and Landry Shamit. And Landry Shamit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, Shamit's not a guy I would I would cry to part ways with. And honestly, of course, Jay, we all know Jay Crowder's on his way out. So I'd rather get something for nothing. So if it's if it's Karis Levert and we have to throw Landry Shamit in there, I might be willing to roll the dice, but again, same as Buddy Heald, is he understanding that he's coming off the bench, not going to play a, maybe, a, I don't know how many minutes, but not starter minutes, might not finish the game. And I don't know. I don't know. Because Karis LeVert, if I'm not mistaken, is another guy who's missed significant time with injury in this league. And that and that seems, and, and for maybe no fault of their own, I know, uh, if you, I don't want to say there's always that like injury prone um, mm-hmm. label that guys get. And I don't think it's always fair, but it's not uncommon to see either re-injury or continued injury or prolonged injury. And in the case of a guy like that, who's young and already having issues like that, it makes me a little weary, to be honest. Um, I, I did also want to touch on, on your point to Tory Craig is, and that last season is he wasn't the same Tory Craig as we had 
experience the year prior, Scary Tory. We thought he was going to come in and be the same guy that was on that Bucks run with us, and he just wasn't. And he re- really didn't see the floor because of that, I think. So to have him locked in and still here, it makes me wonder if he's just going to be a bench warmer or if he could be another guy that's it's thrown into these trade deals or trade talks, if you will. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to have to be a big part of that bench. And it's not just going to have to be scoring from him. He's going to have to do it in multiple ways because he's going to be asked to be a bigger bodied guy and battle with those guys down in the trenches uh, to say, you know, consistency. That's what I'm hoping for from from my bench. You know, you know what you're going to get out of Devin Booker from the low end. You know what you're going to get out of uh, DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. Now it's all about those other guys fitting the bill to propel this team forward for your superstars. So we'll see what kind of roster that James Jones has built and we'll see how long it's intact, I guess, <laughs> you know, going through the first part of this season. But Chris, I want to say, I thought I had another one. I think you had sent me a link or something. Yeah, yeah, I think I sent you the link if you can if you can grab that. Um I think this one was from the Suns Reddit or I'm sorry, the NBA Reddit specifically. I in going through Reddit over the past couple of days, I've noticed that it's a lot of reposting from Twitter and YouTube. So, it'll be like the headline and then a link. So, I was trying to grab posts that were more Reddit specific and not just navigating you to another website. Because it's not Twitter reacts, it's Reddit reacts, right? Right, right. right. I'm 100% with you on that. Okay, let me see here. It's our main man, Jokic, on the screen, it looks like. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, this, so this, I just thought this was a little bit, since we've been kind of suns heavy on this episode, uh, I thought it would be fun to kind of look at another guy in the league. And he's, he, in this clip, he's talking about just the game of basketball um, in Europe versus uh, the NBA and in America. Uh, like you can see there, he says there, there's no three, three seconds in the key. The floor is a little bit smaller. There's no, um, you know, the big men can be in the paint. Like he, kind of, he, I guess that's kind of similar to the beginning where he says there's no three in the key, which if and anyone who doesn't know, I think if you're listening to a basketball podcast and you're 50 minutes in listening to me and Mike talk about basketball, you probably know what three seconds is, but it's when you're in, I think in the NBA it's on offense and defense, right? That you can't be in the lane for more than three seconds. Yeah. You basically have to step in and out uh, on offense and defense that way. They basically kind of get rid of a zone. Like, so it's like non-existent or you got, they can play zone, I think, but they have to like step in and out. They can't camp out inside of there. Yeah. Yeah. In the NBA. Yeah. And we, we don't have to play the clip here necessarily. Cause he's just kind of like rambling on in his say. Serbian accent. Yeah. No, don't worry <laughs> about that. Um, no, he's good. Like, honestly, like I want to hate on Jokic, but honestly, like he's a competitor. He's really good. He's an MVP. He, he's fun to watch honestly like even when he was in the playing against the suns like he's a big guy that sees the floor and i just i again it's almost like with kobe bryant rest in peace i hated him so much during his playing years but always had respect for him because he was just so damn good and that's jamal murray to his right i think um Mm -hmm. another guy like like mike said he's he's coming back and he's also a young stud 
that I think has not quite gotten the recognition he deserves. He had an amazing run in the bubble. And even to start the last season, I think before he got injured, he was making some waves, but that's besides the fact I'm not here to talk about Jamal Murray, but just, just to talk about the game in general, I don't know if anyone's seen international play, but they have like the, the kind of triangle or trapezoid shaped paint like Jokic highlighted there the the court's a little shorter and the rules are a little bit different. So he says, in his opinion, it, it's a lot harder. Um, I, I just I just thought that was super interesting. How, how much uh, European or, or international basketball do you do you pay attention to, Mike? You know, I I don't really see too much of it. I'll see him on um, you know YouTube clips. You know, like when you when Luca was coming to the league, I saw you know clips of him playing for Real Madrid, I believe. There's that new, like seven foot six kid Watanabe, I think that guys are yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. making a play for who has guard skills. So I'll see some of that, but I'm not really paying attention to um, you know European leagues, which might be a fault to my to myself because I know there's plenty of talent around the world, but you know the NBA is here, man. That's the NBA is king to me. That's what I'm paying attention to. So yes, sir. But I, I could definitely see how he could have that sentiment, especially for somebody who has played extensively in both leagues, mm-hmm. to have the defense right on top of you where it, it's they don't have to adjust and reset for anything like that. It makes it harder for you to get any of the defenders off their feet or countered into a specific way because they can basically plant right beside you or in front of you to the side, as long as you're in the paint. So I could totally see that. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I think that's exactly what he says in this clip is that the ability for the defender to just basically stay camped under the basket, put your biggest guy under the basket. When a guy is coming in, if he beats his defender, the help's already there versus in the NBA, if a guy beats his defender, the help is coming in. Um, and that makes a big difference. And that changes a lot. Uh, when it comes to a, a guy attacking the basket or even defending the basket. So I see that a bit harder because you're not able to necessarily finish at right at the basket as much. Those, those opportunities aren't as easy. It's, it's got to either, it's going to be a contested shot. It's going to be a putback, probably a contested putback, or we see a lot of these European players able to shoot, um, jump shots and three-point shots for that very reason, I'd imagine. Even a guy like Jokic that we're talking about in this clip, who's, I think, seven foot or damn near it, he's earned the respect around the league as a guy who has the ability to knock down these shots. So I, I see what he's saying, but I also agree with what you're saying, Mike. The NBA is here, and that's what I'm really focused on. I've seen some some talk and some articles recently about there maybe being a European takeover of these guys because maybe maybe tying into because it's more difficult and because they're the rules are different that they I, I don't know I don't know um, but that that's what they're saying that it's it's maybe because the game's a little more difficult that the European talent is able to come over here and translate into the American style and rules a little bit easier than the guys who are born and raised in it. It'll be an interesting thing to watch over the next you know years and decades. Yeah, the NBA is basically built for spacing, 
for its best best athletes to create and do crazy things on the floor, you know. So that's why the rules will always kind of be molded around that, I guess, in regards to no three seconds on defense and, you know, really giving the opportunity to your best playmakers to create plays and highlights. Uh, We'll see if Europe can ever really touch the NBA. I think a big thing is about the contracts and what kind of money is really involved. I know a lot of guys will go overseas and be very successful and make a lot of money. I mean, one guy specifically who played for the Phoenix Suns, Josh Childress, he went overseas for basically his last contract that he ever played and made, I think, uh, over $100 million in that contract, which was something that he wasn't going to get from anybody over here. So my one thing about the European game, especially I think it's a rule that's in FIBA, is the allowance of goaltending. Like if the ball it like bounces up and it's still above the cylinder, guys can go up and tip it away. I yeah. wish that would. I wish that was a rule in the NBA, man. That would be so cool. You know how many heartbreaking moments? Well, I, I guess it would really be tough because how often are guys really getting up to block to swat the ball away? You know, from layups or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you know how many heartbreaking moments there could be. Because of like this ball, it tips up, tips up, and it looks like it's gonna go in, and the guy just gets his finger in there perfectly and gets it out of there. I love that man. It Dude. adds another conundrum, I guess, to the game. But I don't think we'll, yeah, we'll ever I mean, see that. You, no, yeah, probably not. I would. I don't think I'd even want to see that in the league. Like I hear what you're saying, but when you're looking at the NBA, it's obviously the most skilled players in the world, but it's also the tallest players in the world you can't teach size you see guys out there that are six two six three where in everyday life like mike i'm six foot on my best day and people call me a tall person but i hang out with you and play ball with these other guys and i'm the little guy on the court and so when when you're talking about guys that are six two six three and on tv you're like oh that guy's small but in everyday life at the grocery store you're asking him to get stuff off the top shelf like there's no no wonder like Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo is so freaking tall that he's going to be able to get his arm two feet past the rim and and intercept any any shot that's coming in. Because if I'm not mistaken, with, with that goaltending rule, almost like we see when a foul is called and someone shoots a shot and the guy like, you know, playfully, you know, stops it or whatever. Could could in theory a player do that if someone takes a three point shot? You just put your arm up and snag it. Is, is that allowable in in FIBA? I I don't know. I think you just have to be very clear about what is involved within the rule. Like, mm-hmm. I would still be okay with keeping like goaltending off the glass. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. That like if a shot is going up and then it starts coming down towards the basket and then you block it, that's a goaltending. I I would I would literally just stick to if it's above the cylinder, if it bounces off and then but you have opportunity to hit it out. That's the only time like it would be okay. Like it can't be off the glass like going in and then you block it away. Like it could only Mm. be off of like a second tip. I think it would add some cool you know, nonsensical things (laughs) into the game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that makes more sense. Cause I'm, I'm sitting here maybe thinking about it too literally or too extreme where like you could just have literally five of your tallest guys standing with their hands hands in front of the rim. And that would just be stupid. That wouldn't even be basketball. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm convinced then I think if, 
if there were some restrictions and some limits, like you said, the like I think it's dumb that if the ball's like bouncing, 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 yeah, sure, just smack that shit away. Yeah. Like that'd be fine. I'd be okay. I'd be open to that conversation. Yeah, you can't have somebody. You can't have the seven foot six guy just put his hand straight up through the basket to be blocking <laughs> just the whole game. game. Just <laughs> I think that would be. Yeah, that would yeah definitely yeah. be a detriment to the game. I, I agree. I agree, a hundred percent. Well, dang, Mike, this was this was a lot of fun. We we went through the Suns training camp, uh, those clips of Camp Johnson, and the reactions on Reddit of all the Suns nonsense going on. There, I, I love this. I love this show. What are you thinking, dude? I'm really excited. Uh, I'm excited for everybody who's you know sticking along for the ride here. We got some really cool special guests coming. Uh, down the pipeline, probably the next past the outlet uh, as the NBA season starts. I mean, it's here, man. It it seems like just yesterday we were watch- we were watching that horrendous game seven, but now we get to get the bad taste out of our mouth and restart with a fresh, clean slate. Even with all the uh, nonsense that has been going on in this offseason, I'm ready to see Suns basketball again. Uh, make sure that everybody, if you're joining us, Stay tuned to our socials, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at AZ underscore VSP. Please make sure you like and subscribe to our YouTube page, Valley Sports Plug. Stay in tune to those socials. We might be having some giveaways, maybe some ticket giveaways coming soon. I don't know. Make sure you pay attention. But Chris, do you got any last thoughts for the people? Yeah, man. Just last thing I wanted to say is... Of course, one big thank you to anyone who's maybe listening back and made it this far in the episode. That is incredible. You've listened to me and Mike talk about basketball for over an hour, and I freaking love that. The last thing is we're always going to bring you a live stream once a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. So like Mike said, follow us on those social medias so you can find out when. We'll always let you know in advance, probably the day of most likely, as our schedules are kind of fluid. And of course... Uh, the Heat Check podcast will be out once a month where we do a broad overview of all the Valley sports. But yeah, Mike, man, this has been a lot of fun. I'm really excited for Pass the Outlet, the Heat Check podcast, the roundtables, everything we've got brewing, all the guests we've got in the pipeline. We're going to keep busting it out. And thank you for everyone that's along for the ride. Yes, sir. This was Pass the Outlet, episode four. I'm Mike Benjamin. That's Chris Patrick. Peace, y'all. Have a good night. Peace. Ask any baller. You know, you know. The game has changed, but it's still the same. You want it, go get it. Shazam! The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. The shot on Elo. The Bulls win! They win it! Mike, you're honestly telling me that you're top five. Yeah. Top five of all time. No question about it. Booker, this is for the win. Got it. Wow. You know, one thing's for sure, over at Valley Sports Plug, you're never going to catch us slipping. With the first overall pick, the Phoenix Suns select...